Welcome once again to the Ohio State of Mind, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio, alongside Tyler Danberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. On a rainy Monday here in Columbus, we've got a packed weekend full of conference tournament action and regular season finales to go through for you, and then a short week to break out before we get to our Friday episode. Before we get into any of that, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at State of Mind OSU on Twitter. Make sure you're following us there for updates on show release times and additional information we send out. Also, we should notify now because I don't think it'll happen until next week, given the tournament and her schedule and all that. But our next Behind the Buckeye will be Taylor Mikesell of the women's basketball team. We are working with the SID in that program to get a date set down for the recording. And we'll let you guys know as soon as possible when to expect that episode. Tyler. Really quick, also, before we get in, I know I promised the listeners we get started after that uh, advertisement for Behind the Buckeye, but I have to ask, freshman in SGSR, first chance at a road trip on, on Saturday, aside from the weekend you and I spent in Notre Dame, but uh, your thoughts on, on the trip to Minnesota? We'll get to the games in a minute, but your thoughts on Minnesota overall? It was a great time. I think I speak on behalf of Zachary Rodier. It was a great time. We had an awesome, awesome weekend together calling games. It was also a great weekend for the team that we were calling and covering, and we'll get to more on that later. So props and thanks to you guys for allowing us to take the trip, and we we appreciate all the, all the support. I honestly felt bad for you guys being up there because Ohio had two of their best days of weather and you send me a picture on Sunday of the snow outside your outside your uh, your hotel room. I'm like, it really hurts that you guys weren't back here. It was like 70 degrees on Saturday. Probably two of the best days in March in the history of Ohio. And you guys are out of state. Yeah, we will, well, we went to bed on Saturday night, freezing rain. We walked about a 20-minute walk from the arena back to the hotel, freezing rain. Wake up, and there are about five inches of snow on the ground. Well, Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah, that's Minnesota for you. <laughs> Getting into our action here, as we promised you on Friday, we'll talk now about the Thursday Michigan State men's basketball game. I would probably say that this was the best performance of the season with men's basketball. And I say that hesitantly because I don't have the schedule in front of me to to go back and reassure that. But the way the Buckeyes played, I don't think I'm going to get any flack for that to say that the game against the Spartans was one of, if not the, best performance of the season. Ohio State dominated Michigan State 80-69 to in what will no doubt go down as the Joey Brunk game at Ohio State. 18 points, 6 rebounds in the season best performance for the big man. Ohio State, they shot 50% or higher from the field in both halves and overall. 59.3 in the first half, 50% in the second, and 54.7 in the second half. A great overall night for the Buckeyes. And Joey Brunk, we gotta talk about him because he put himself into the Ohio State rotation probably for the rest of the season because 18 points, and again, Michigan State, they had some issues in the front court, but he was able to expose that as well. The Schottenstein Center, they needed that one. After that Nebraska win, Caleb, or that win for Nebraska, I should say, Ohio State lost on their home floor for just the second time a game before. Thursday, two days later, they dominate. The crowd needed that, the arena needed that, and the program needed that. No Kyle Young, no Zed Key, but Joey Brunt comes in, fills that spot, and the Buckeyes, they led that game wire to wire and didn't have another lead change. We talk about it 
a couple times, mostly when we were referring to uh, Malachi Branham at the beginning of the of the season. It was Ed Key who we were we were discussing, but Ohio State seems to have new players come out of the woodwork every few games and just become a threat. And that's one of the things that's going to benefit them going into the tournament uh, here this weekend is that as a team, as an opposing team, you used to be able to just look at Ohio State and say, okay, EJ Liddell is the man I have to be ready for. And now you had Zed Key at the beginning of the year who came in and was a big presence in the post. Now you have Malachi Branham, the former Mr. Basketball, coming out and arguably becoming more of a threat than EJ Liddell is, not to discount Liddell. And now you have Joey Brunk, who's turned in two great performances against Michigan State and fulfilled his role against Michigan with several Kareem-esque skyhooks against the Wolverines. So this is where you want to be for Ohio State entering the tournament in terms of unpredictability, but you've also got to get more consistent, right? We we saw it, and we're going to talk about it in the Michigan game, but this has got to be consistent performances rather than just every few games. It does, and then when you have a healthy Zed Key and Kyle Young return, that these are two guys. Key's averaging over 8.5 points a contest. Kyle Young, 8 points as well. Both are at least averaging just under 5 rebounds a ball game as well. They're consistent, and they're great pieces to have. So when Ohio State's healthy, and when they're playing at their best, they're a tough team to beat. The win against Michigan State ended a two-game losing streak for the Buckeyes. Gave them a win going into their rivalry game on Sunday against Michigan. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But on the other side of the basketball spectrum, number 13 women's basketball was at the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis Friday and Saturday, March 4th and 5th, respectively. The Buckeyes were eliminated in the Big Ten semifinal round. Ohio State defeated number 8 Michigan State to kick off the postseason, but then fell to number 5 Indiana, as I said on Saturday. This, though... Even though it didn't have hardware attached to the end of it, Tyler, I think the way Ohio State played in the tournament and to solidify the share in the regular season title, I think this did enough to earn Ohio State at least a top 10 seed in the tournament. At most, I would say a top seven, potentially a top five depending on their region. Why not top three? Look at South Carolina, the number one team in the country. They went down to Kentucky in the SEC championship. So they didn't win their conference tournament either, although they won the regular season title, and they will most likely be a one seed because that was their third loss. The Buckeyes, that was their sixth. And this might be a blessing in disguise, Caleb, because they did clinch the regular season title. They had a commanding win over Michigan State in the Big Ten Tournament. So they do have a conference tournament win and didn't get bounced in their first game of tournament play. That being said, they're going to have a little bit of some rest, some break time before the tournament starts. That can be crucial. Get everybody healthy, get everybody rested, which is critical. And they played well against Indiana, much better than the first time they met back in December. We saw that. We, were, we talked about that on Friday, I should say, um, whether or not prolonged time off the hardwood would be detrimental to Ohio State. And it, it didn't appear to be in the Michigan State game, but then and, and not even against Indiana. I just think you, you met a great team with Indiana, one you've had trouble with in the regular season anyways, uh, one of the better nights for the Hoosiers. You know, you, you can't 
equate time off the hardwood to that. Both teams came out, they played uh, a really good game, an entertaining game throughout, but you know, when you look at Ohio State, I think maybe a top three is possible now that you mention it, now that I remember all the teams in the NCAA tournament. We'll just have to see where they seat. I think it's all about region, where they get put in, or which corner of the bracket they are, which teams fall into that section uh, in terms of where Ohio State will stack up there. Number four, men's hockey had a disappointing weekend at home against Penn State Friday, Saturday, and was needed Sunday. The Buckeyes were eliminated in three games by number five seeded Penn State, a win in the first matchup four to three for the Buckeyes, and then losses three to two on Saturday and two to one on Sunday to push the Nittany Lions into the Big Ten semifinal and knock out the Buckeyes out of the tournament. Georgie Merkulov in the first game had two goals. He had a fantastic performance to start and end the game for the Buckeyes scoring wise, and then Dobesh, Jakob Dobesh didn't have below 33 saves in any of those games. He had 49, was his highest in game one on 52 shots, allowing in those three goals. But the Buckeyes, one heck of a skid to close out their year, potentially their year. We still have the NCAA tournament, potentially Ohio State makes it, though the chances of that, being honest with you, are slim. Ohio State 1-6 and six over their last seven. It goes back to two losses against uh, Minnesota at home on February 11th and 12th, and then two losses to close out the regular season at Michigan, and finally the one win and two losses from this series to break that up. That Minnesota series sucked out a lot of the life out of this team. And I don't think it sucked it out of this team. I think it just was a lot of the energy. And game one, Ohio State, they came out firing. That Quinn Preston hat trick, there's something about him and hat tricks at the shot. He's done that twice now. But then final two games, it came to not being able to clear the puck. A lot of traffic down low. Dobish faced an unbelievable, almost a career-high volume. And he didn't get any goal support. Because for them in those last two games, Caleb, to be outscored 5-4, to four, yeah, they got those four goals, but... Dobesh, a lot of those goals that he gave up, nothing he could do in those 49 saves. Game one, evident of the fact that he could, and he maybe should, be the Mike Richter Award winner, which is given to the top goaltender in college hockey. And honestly, that game one felt like the second Apollo Creed-Rocky Balboa fight. Not the one behind closed doors. I count that as the third, but the actual... Uh, one in which Rocky won the heavyweight championship of the world. But you know the part at the end that I'm talking about when oh, yeah. the two fighters are standing at each other and it's Apollo throws a punch, Rocky throws a punch, Apollo throws a punch. You saw Ohio State go on a tear with a goal streak and then Penn State answers right back in the in the latter part of the game. That was a true back and forth game to the point that I think that that was maybe the most even or tightly contested game of the season for Ohio State again. You'd be hard-pressed to find another one. Potentially there is one out there, but maybe I'm on recency bias here. But the way that Ohio State was able to take control early, which you know Rollick has been talking about all year, wanting to get out ahead rather than play from behind, and then the way that Penn State was able to fight back, ignore the negative momentum going into that second break, and come out and play tremendous hockey through 20 minutes. This was a great series Two teams that hadn't met in the postseason, but twice, the last time being in 2019. 
it was a great matchup to see, even though Ohio State fell, to have three in a row games decided by one goal is entertaining for fans, whatever side of the spectrum you're on. And Coach Relic had a great post-game message. You know, he, you could tell he was crushed, defeated, everything in between. But he basically said, for a team that was projected to finish last in the Big Ten by other coaches, he was proud of what Ohio State did in proving everybody wrong this season. And I think with their young talent, a lot of returning guys, this is going to be crucial for the next year for them to stay on this contingent track and just keep rolling. Now they've put the Big Ten and the country on blast with what they can and what they've been able to do, and they're going to go out and execute that in 2022-2023. Speaking of putting the country on blast and making Ohio State uh, more of a hockey school, at least in reputation, the number two seed women's hockey team, this is why you were in Minnesota, played the WCHA final faceoff tournament up in up at Ritter Arena on Saturday, March 5th and Sunday, March 6th. The Buckeyes were crowned the WCHA champions after wins on Saturday against number three, Wisconsin, and on Sunday against number one seed, Minnesota. Both Liz Shippers and Gabby Rosenthal had goals in Ohio State's comeback win on Saturday over the Badgers, and then Sophie Jakes sealed the deal in overtime against Minnesota 3-2. to If they give out a team MVP award, she has been more than deserving of it, crossing 100 career points, leading the leading the program in goals from a, from a defenseman in a season. This was just a performance and a half all through the year from Sophie Jakes. Heck, if they're going to give out the Patty Kazmaier finalist for the country MVP, I think Sophie Jakes can get it. The power play came eight seconds left in that third period, tied at two yesterday on Sunday afternoon. You just knew Ohio State was going to get it because Sophie Jakes is the best power play player in the country she's now got 11 goals on the power play that's by far the most in women's college hockey she grabbed it at the right circle pops it off her stick got blocked follows it up shoots from the slot and scores and celebrates bedlam in minneapolis that wisconsin game in game one was something special second period they were down one nothing they scored two unanswered almost got three they hold on to it. Amanda Teeley was the player that game. The goaltender, sophomore from Bismarck, North Dakota, had 33 saves, saved a couple of breakaways. Zach and I were marveling because she saved a 2-on-0 break at one of the most tense points of the game. And then she makes a couple clutch saves in Game 2 when Ohio State erased a 2-0 deficit with two goals of their own in that third period, and all they needed were 23 seconds in that overtime. Yeah, I mean, you have to marvel at both how Teeley played in that game and how Ohio State's offense played. You know, unlike the men's team this weekend, again, not indicative of the men's team overall, but this weekend couldn't get anything done in the latter part of the games here, aside from that uh, sealer on, on the Friday game to put them over the Nittany Lions 4-3. The late game scoring for the Ohio State women is remarkable. And you saw how how easily they scored the puck during the season with 10 goals, 8 goals, you know, stuff like that up into the double digits uh, in scoring in some instances. But you really saw Ohio State bring that out when it mattered. When you need to force overtime, when you need two goals to draw yourselves back into this game and put things even, Ohio State stepped up 
That's why they get the championship, not because the other teams had off nights, but because Ohio State had the fire and and really wanted this. Well, head coach Nadine Mutzerell, after the game, she got asked in the press conference, what makes this team so special? What makes this team a national championship contender? And honestly, at this point, looking at the NCAA tournament, a possible favorite. She said, we fight, we're chippy, we scrap away. The way I look at it is that in this weekend, and I've seen this all throughout the season, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, Caleb, they play like they have a one-goal lead every single game. They also play like they're trailing by a goal every single game. They sustain, they fight, they play, and they shoot with urgency. That's crucial, the way they, the way they play, because that's a tough team to stop. A team that plays with urgency is a tough team to beat because they don't take their feet off the gas pedal whether they're up, whether they're down. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ohio State, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which just announced last night, a couple hours after the WCHA championship. But you, you'd you be hard-pressed to find another team with the heart that Ohio State does. Um, all bias aside, being a student at Ohio State, just the way that the Buckeyes come out and, like you said, regardless of the score, play like it's nothing-nothing or a one-nothing lead for Ohio State, they just continue to amaze me. A guy who's this – is, this is my first year following the women's college hockey tournament. We didn't have opportunities like that available to cover those games last year in my freshman campaign. So this is my first being – my first experience seeing this team – it's dazzling, amazing to watch. Getting some updates now from the Wrestling Big Ten Championship. That was Saturday, March 5th, and Sunday, March 6th. The Buckeyes finished as a team fourth overall in the Big Ten out of 14 teams. Sammy Sasso, some notable finishes here. Sammy Sasso fell to Gomez at the 149 final. Then Romero and Carson Karchla fell in the third place matches at the 165 and 184 divisions, respectively. So still a good finish for Ohio State. Finishing in that top five, would have liked to see him a bit higher. I'm sure they would have liked that. But, you know, overall, you can't argue with a good weekend down in Nebraska. That's a great showing. And anytime you can be the top five in a Big Ten tournament in wrestling is a great opportunity that the Buckeyes took advantage of. Now going into our final game of the weekend to recap number 23 men's basketball Hosting their rival, the Michigan Wolverines, Sunday, March 6th. That was a 12.30 p.m. tip-off. The Buckeyes fell at home 75-69. Malachi Branham, E.J. Liddell, and Justin Arns were all in double figures in scoring. 18 points, 16 points, and 12 points, respectively. But Michigan, it was their game. The bench outscored Ohio State's 24-6. They had six turnovers, the Wolverines did, to Ohio State's 13 and converted 12 points off of those exchanges. Ohio State, they, as we talked about, they continue to have people come off the bench and serve roles that nobody thought would be their their effect on the year. You know, Zed Key example, Malachi Branham example, Joey Brunk example. We talked about it already. But it seems like every time something good happens for this team, new issues arise, Tyler, and something goes wrong to keep this team even. This is a great basketball team. But something always happens that gives Ohio State a negative advantage 
and you saw that here. Michigan just came out and ruled the day. Well, it's the negative effect of, and the flip side of Caleb when Ohio State goes to the bench. Sometimes you just might not get the best rotation out on the floor. They had all the momentum going into halftime, and Michigan quickly erased it. They had a 14-1 to run to start the first four minutes of that second half, and that set the tone. That dictated the rest of that half because Ohio State kept playing catch-up, and they would get close, but they couldn't get back all the way. My two takeaways on the positive side for Ohio State because they weren't able to get the job done are two things, twofold. One, best crowd since Duke. At the Schottenstein Center, Logan Paul was there. He had a show at Big Bar that he was going to do after the game. Yeah, Red Panda there, one of the top halftime acts in college basketball, except many are saying that since she dropped the ball. First time she's done that this season, she's been to do about 25 different arenas. Maybe that was a sign for Ohio State and losing that game. And then he just had the entire crowd there. It was a great environment. No doubt about it. And then two, Justin Arns. First game with multiple three-pointers. He had four. First time doing that since February 6th against Maryland. That was four Sundays ago. So it was good to get him back in the shooting column. Yeah, you always want to see a guy like him who can bring so much to the table from beyond the arc, uh, getting back into their stride going into tournament time. You see Ohio State. Falling short of that uh, four seed, they'll finish as the five, and they'll start their Big Ten tournament run on Saturday. We'll have that live in SGSR from Indianapolis. But you look at the road that the Buckeyes have to play. They'll start off their tournament with Penn State or Minnesota, whoever wins that one. I dare I say that's a winnable game. Knock on wood if you're an Ohio State fan here. But then you go on and you'll play Purdue a team that's given Ohio State trouble before. The Buckeyes lost their last one, a tough contest, by a dagger three-pointer at the end. So definitely a beatable team for Ohio State. But to start off your second game, your first real challenge of the tournament, again, not to jinx the Minnesota-Penn State game, but to play a team like that, I think maybe that'll get in Ohio State's head knowing that you have the Boilermakers up next. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I feel like Ohio State will look ahead, and that'll do them in. You got to just play one game at a time. I hope they don't do that, but you never know. I'm sure Purdue's got to be on the mind and on the mend. But Penn State, Minnesota. Minnesota gave Ohio State some trouble in that first half in Columbus a couple weeks ago. And Penn State always plays Ohio State tough, especially when they got the Jamari Wheeler factor looking for some revenge. And the Buckeyes have swept both of those teams in the season series. That's going to make for some headlines and some highlights when we look at that first-round matchup. You know what? We, and especially me, have been talking about a bunch of negatives uh, for Ohio State going into this tournament. I will say to have Joey Brunk, the only player on Ohio State's roster above six foot eight, play a game like he did against Michigan State and then contribute in major ways to Michigan, maybe that gives you a better height matchup on Zach Eady. Now, he's still seven foot four to 6'11", but you didn't have Brunk playing like this the last time you played Purdue. Perhaps and, he's the perhaps he's the deciding factor. And Brunk played at Indiana, where you play Purdue twice a year as part of a big rivalry. Indeed. And he played at Butler too, who plays Purdue at least once a year, usually in the Crossroads Classic at Hinkle Fieldhouse. 
So he's got a lot of experience against Purdue. We actually talked about that when Ohio State played Purdue the first time around because Brunk had six points in that game. He came off the bench and he knew exactly what to do and where to go because he was used to playing against Zach Giddy and Travion Williams. So, of course, we're not going to look ahead to Purdue, but it's good to note that Ohio State, assuming they advance, if they can advance against the winner of Penn State Minnesota, that they're going to have options to attack that Purdue front court. Now looking ahead at our week, men's golf is at the Colleton River Collegiate Monday and Tuesday, March 7th and 8th. All day on those days at the Collinton River Plantation in Okatai, South Carolina. Men's Volleyball hosts Penn State on Tuesday, March 8th at 7 p.m. at the Cavelli Center. You can watch that on Big Ten Network Plus. Women's Lacrosse is at Duquesne in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Wednesday, March 9th at 5 p.m. Available to watch on ESPN. And both men's and women's swimming and diving are at the CSCAA National Invitational on Thursday, March 9th, TBA on that. So make sure you're checking the all-sports schedule at ohiostatebuckeyes.com for that. That'll be in Elkhart, Indiana. Your question of the day for those of you who listen on Spotify as we get ready to end things here, focusing on men's basketball. What is Ohio State's greatest Achilles heel entering the Big Ten tournament? Is it scoring inconsistency? Is it not having an identity? Is it the three-point? What is it that could prove fatal for Ohio State in the Big Ten Tournament. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at State of Mind OSU for updates regarding the show behind the Buckeye and updates as to when release times are scheduled for. We will have Taylor Mikesell on the show at some point coming up soon. Again, we're, we have not gotten a date yet from the SID, though we are in constant communication with her. So we are working to put that together. So stay with us. It'll be a great interview, we know, to promise you. Uh, for when that does come out. But again, the best way to know when that releases is to stick to the Twitter. Hit the bell for notifications. I feel like your cliche YouTube guy, but hit the bell to be notified of it. You know, sometimes those dings are annoying, but trust me, it'll behoove you guys in the end. That'll do it for us until Friday here on The Ohio State of Mind. For Tyler Damberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. That's the show. We're out of here.